something is going to go wrong. I mean, almost every day something small goes wrong. It just doesn't go according to plan. Something is going to go wrong. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Promote the Hell Out of It. My name is Ms. Trujillo, and on the show, I chat to people who I think are worth promoting about things I think are worth promoting. Usually, I get it right. If I don't, please feel free to let me know. Today's episode is a really special one. I chat to Alexander Travelbum, a YouTuber and travel blogger who has really helped my life personally. Now, I've been traveling for about a year and a half. Alexander Travelbum has been traveling for years, and it was his videos along with the book, The 4-Hour Workweek by Tim Ferriss, which really helped myself and my partner get out to Southeast Asia and start our journey, put everything in a storage locker, get rid of our flat and start traveling. So I owe a lot to Alexander Travelbum. He has been all over Southeast Asia. He has lived van life in the States. He has traveled Europe. He's been to places like Romania, uh, Croatia, Hungary, Greece, all over. His videos are wonderful. He teaches you not only where to go in those places, what about those places is so great. He's also got one of the best voices ever. I seriously love the voiceovers he does for his YouTube videos. But he also does really useful videos like how to pack for when you're going traveling for an unknown period of time like it was that myself and Jane were going. So yeah, basically he is an ace dude. I really enjoyed our conversation and I hope you enjoy it too. Something is going to go wrong. I mean, almost every day something small goes wrong. It just doesn't go according to plan. Something is going to go wrong. Alex, I am really, really happy to have you on the show. How are you? Really good, man. How are you? I'm doing really good. I've been excited to have this conversation with you. I know it's been a bit of a struggle to get the timing down, but that happens when you're on the other side of the world, I guess, right? <laughs> yeah, it's really difficult to stay in contact with people. And yeah, so I'm glad we finally figured it out. I know, I know. Well, uh, the last time I was in touch with you was about a year ago. I did an interview with you uh, and it was written. And since then, I've gone traveling to a lot of the places that you inspired me to go to. So thank you. Thank you so much. Oh, that's awesome. We really haven't talked about that too much. I'm not even sure about all the places you went, but I'm glad that hopefully it helped a little bit. It definitely did. So I learned about you on YouTube when I was considering the idea or I'll rephrase that. I liked the idea of going traveling, but never thought it was really going to happen. And I think the first video that really helped was one where you packed your suitcase. And the reason is because my partner never envisioned that she could actually fit everything into one suitcase and go traveling that lightweight. Definitely. What inspired you to keep things so, so small and so compact for when you went traveling? So my first trip solo, that's when this really started. I went to Europe for six months. So... First trip, I just I knew I wanted to get out there, and I didn't just start out with a two week trip or something like just to test it out. I kind of knew that I would really like it, and so I just made plans to travel for half a year, and I really didn't know how much stuff I would need and like what how do you <laughs> really pack for half a year or a year when you're gonna have your whole life with you. Um, and I guess I just figured that I needed to keep it really light because I didn't know how I was going to travel, uh, if I was going to be walking from town to town or I really didn't know the first time. So I kept it as light as possible, as minimal as possible. And that actually really helped out. And ever since that trip, it's been staying the same or even getting lighter except with the exception of all my camera gear. Yeah, yeah. I I think that's that's the difficulty that I found. We tried to keep it really, really compact, but then the camera gear really adds up really quickly. And if you want to start building on that camera gear, you start going, oh, man, I'm going to start having to uh, to put things actually in hold, and it's going to cost money. Yeah, that 
is really a problem. And since I usually travel on a budget and uh, don't have a ton of money to spend on extra room or you know checking luggage and all of that, I've managed to keep it down a lot. It's important. Something you mentioned before that you're continually trying to make it less. And I think it, it's, it's one of these things that regardless of, of how little you take, you sometimes find yourselves in situations where you're like, I really wish this backpack didn't weigh as much. I really wish I wasn't carrying as much. And then the stuff that you never use when you take. There's definitely always the things that you think you're going to need or you just really want to take it with you because you love that thing or that piece of clothing. But once you're out there, it's like things change a lot once you're there. I mean, it's... It's kind of hard to wear all of your clothing. Sometimes you end up just not caring or or it's too hot where you are, so you just wear the same thing every day. And yeah, have you found yourself in, your, in a situation where you've left stuff behind because you couldn't, couldn't be bothered to carry it anymore? Oh, yeah, definitely, especially even my first trip when I didn't know how it was going to go. I ended up just throwing away half of my bag um, and yeah, I, I continue to do that. If I'm gone for a long time, then you kind of get tired of some of your clothing that you're wearing every single day. And so I'll throw away a couple of those and then maybe buy something new. Part of the beauty of that is that it, it's teaching you to be able to live with, with the minimal amount of stuff. And not even talking about going as far as, as being minimalist, just actually being able to, to narrow it down to being happy with what you've got in that backpack and enjoying your surroundings is such an important aspect of being able to enjoy traveling, I found. Yeah, definitely. And it changes it once you get home. So it's not just for travel, but I noticed once I got home after traveling or if I took a break and I was living at home again for a year or so, it changes everything you've realized after that trip that you don't need those things that you had before and so even at home I have much less than I used to have and yeah. it's it's really nice not having a ton of stuff all the time and like I've moved a couple of times in between traveling and it's always really easy for me like everything I own fits in a small car uh, instead of having to rent a U-Haul or a big truck or something to move everything I own. Yeah. Uh, it saves money, too. Well, that's the thing. That's the thing. And and it breaks us out of a cycle of, of consumerism as well because we're not looking at things in terms of, oh, I want that because there's just literally no space for it, which I think is really useful because, as you said, that, too, carries over when, when you go back home, hopefully. Yeah, it's really great. It's a unintended effect something you didn't really think about but then it happens anyway and yeah really glad yeah one of the things I've been thinking about a lot uh, in preparation for this podcast is one of the things that you mentioned when I when I did the interview uh, a year ago and it was about um, when you're traveling having to learn to make new friends constantly uh, mm. and that to me was definitely something huge whilst traveling but not only that the other side of it having to move on and restart the cycle over and over again so yeah. in terms of that what what's helped you make friends and be able to continually keep in that in that mindset I, that's always difficult that's one of the most difficult things about traveling is you're constantly meeting new people and sometimes you make these really great connections with people and they you'll meet someone who seems like your best friend or after a couple of days your best friends and you're with each other for a few days or a week and then they have to go back to the other side of the world and yeah. you're continuing on or going back home and you try to keep in touch with them try to see them again but sometimes it doesn't always work out uh, and the same for friends back home especially if you're continually traveling like I've been doing it's really hard to keep in touch with people and then have that relationship continue yeah so 
Is there anything you've managed to put into practice to help that situation? I've just had to learn how to try to keep in contact with people more. I mean, we live in an age where we have social media and it's a lot easier these days to keep in contact. So I just make more of an effort than I used to to stay in contact with old friends and people that I meet traveling. And that's really all I've found that I can do is just to try to think about it more and you think about sending someone a message or giving them a call and you know a lot of times I would never send that message I would think about it and then you know forget about it because you're busy but now I make an effort and if I think about it I'm gonna do it um, because I want to keep some of these relationships yeah, I I've, I struggle with that for sure. I, I met a lot yeah. of friends whilst traveling and it is that feeling of, of getting back and and it's it's really weird because you do miss them a lot but, but sending that message sometimes gets put off very easily and mm-hmm. it's building those good habits. But at the same time, I also spend a lot of time working on social media whilst not really loving the effect that social media always has on me and not like finding the balance between keeping in touch with everyone and not spending too much time on social media is really difficult oh yeah definitely that that's something that i struggle with a lot uh i was never a huge person on social media i didn't do it that much but now it's it's basically my job with youtube and i have to do a lot on social media and and then, of course, keeping in contact with people. So it's it's as if I have to be constantly, every single day, keeping up with it uh, just to get by, keep the business going, keep relationships going. And, yeah, it's, it's a lot. It's probably not the best to spend so much time on it, but it's also needed. Exactly. Um, without it, we'd, we'd probably lose some of these relationships. Yeah. And in terms of, of finding the, the balance in your day to do all the tasks that you need to, and I know, like, I can't even begin to imagine how much time goes into all the videos you edit because I've done shorter ones and it takes me a very long time. Yeah. And how do you find time to fit all that in whilst actually enjoying the travels that you're in, whilst actually getting to take these places in and, and relate to the people and enjoy it properly? Well, I guess it's a lack of sleep sometimes. <laughs> um, it's I, I've even before this, I was never a very balanced person when it came to that. I'm kind of naturally a workaholic. I guess yeah. a lot of people wouldn't think that the YouTube thing and all of that—that that it's work. <laughs> but, no, it is. It but, is. <laughs> yeah, but it is a lot of work. It's a lot of time, and so. I mean, most of the time when I'm traveling, I'll, I'll travel all day. I'll film all day. I barely take the camera out of my hand. I just, I just have it sitting there in case something pops up. And then I will try to get my editing done that night uh, until pretty early in the morning and then do it all over the next day. So there, there isn't really a healthy balance right now. Um, that makes sense. That makes sense. Sometimes it's the best way. If if you're enjoying it, it does take a, a while to find a balance because you, obviously, although you're enjoying it, it's it's that push of, of making it work as well. So you've got double the fuel there. Yeah. Yeah. It takes a lot out of you, but if you enjoy it and I love it, I love what I'm doing and I it's a lot of work and a lot of time, but I love the work. I love the travel, so I just love all of it. So if it takes my whole day, my whole night, then I'm going to do it. And I'll lose some sleep, and maybe it won't be completely that healthy to spend all the time doing it, but I'm totally good with that right now. (laughs) Yeah, I get that. I get that completely. So in an ideal situation, when you're spending that much time traveling and on transport, you'd get a, a lot of the work done in that situation. Does that work for you? Because that never works in my case. You mean getting things done while... 
on a plane, on a train, in any of those situations, any of the editing, anything like that? Uh, yeah, I try to do that, but <laughs> the problem with me is there's something about planes and trains and just, you know, the white noise and the vibration of the, of <laughs> the plane or the train. It, it makes me fall asleep right no. away. <laughs> the oh, second seriously. I get on, I get on a plane and it won't even be taking off for an hour and I fall asleep right away. And I'm very jealous of you right now. Incredibly <laughs> jealous. I know I've been very lucky that I have that problem. <laughs> if it's a yeah. problem. Uh, I mean, for me, it is kind of a problem because I do. I get my laptop out. I get everything set up. I'll start editing, but I fall asleep right away <laughs> every time. So, uh, yeah, it doesn't really work for me. <laughs> well, yeah, I've got the opposite problem. I get on the plane. I take a load of like sleeping pills, I'll get a comfy pillow, take everything ready to sleep, and then 19 hours later I'm still wide awake, unable to sleep. <laughs> uh, which isn't great for your immune system when you've got to then adapt to a new country and a, and a oh, new yeah. diet, right? <laughs> yeah, definitely. But that is great if you have a lot of work to do. I kind of wish I had that well, sometimes. <laughs> I wish, but like the other side of that is that I can't work either because I'm so tired by the fourth hour of, of this situation that, that I yeah. can't get any work done. I don't even trust myself to get any work done. Yeah, because the quality might suffer because you're Absolutely. so tired but just pushing through it anyway. Yeah. Yeah, I know how that is. It's, it's one of these situations about traveling where you've got to learn to be uncomfortable when, with, with the actual travel aspect of it sometimes. Definitely. I mean, that's, that's a big part of travel. That's something that I like, actually, about travel is that you're uncomfortable a lot of the time and when you're home usually that's not really a problem most of the time and I think people grow from that discomfort the more you have to go through it the more uh, you appreciate it when you are finally comfortable again yeah and if you think of of those situations you've put yourself in are there any uncomfortable situations that stand out to you from your time uh, traveling well obviously there's a lot because I feel like you're constantly <laughs> uh, uncomfortable traveling but uh, the one that comes to mind for some reason is when I was in Myanmar I had this bus trip where it was supposed to take I believe five hours and it ended up being a 30-hour bus trip <laughs> and it was not a comfortable bus. There was no AC. It was full of people. There was no bathroom, no nothing. And we were just stuck. We Somehow, I still don't really understand it, but we were going through the hills and there was just a huge traffic jam. And we just got stopped in the middle of nowhere for, you know, 20 of those hours. We didn't move. No. So we had to sleep somehow on the bus sitting up and no bathroom so people were just leaving going into the forest and trying to do their business like that and I was very thankful that at that point I had just gotten over kind of a little bit of a stomach issue which happens sometimes <laughs> in Southeast Asia yeah uh, and yeah very thankful that I actually made it the whole way without having to do that <laughs> when a couple of days before I was using the bathroom 20 times a day but yeah, that was very uncomfortable, and we had no food, no water, nothing. Uh, is there is there anything you can say you learned from that situation? Anything where where you can see how it helped you grow to try and put a positive spin in, in even the the direst of situations? What, what we ended up doing, I I met two uh, two French guys on that, and we actually became really good friends because of that situation we just we only had each other really to talk to because the rest were locals and they didn't speak any English and after the 30 hours of being stuck there we grabbed our bags and we just started walking we left the <laughs> bus and then we hitchhiked <laughs> so we hitchhiked a little bit and I hadn't had that experience in Myanmar and that was a lot of fun and I got to film a video uh, with that whole experience so we ended up having a really good day after one of the worst days of our lives and made some really good friends so 
that came out of it. And also I started realizing, like, I, before we did that, I was having a, obviously a really horrible day, and I was uh, very angry about the situation, but then I was looking around the bus and just looking at the locals, and there were people with really small children, there were a couple babies, and uh, it got cold at one point, and some people didn't have jackets because they didn't think they would need them, and I just looked at these other people and realized that I had it much better than them, or much better than a lot of people on the bus um, who had to be somewhere by a certain time, and they weren't getting there or had families to get to when I had nothing specifically I had to get to. So uh, that made me appreciate just the situation and how it can be a lot worse for other people and I wasn't as angry after I realized that. Absolutely, absolutely. And I think that's that's the reason I promote travel so much because it is it is situations like that that make you appreciate the world and treat people generally in a different way because mm -hmm. they have a, a huge impact on us as human beings, I think. Yeah, exactly. That's definitely something that most people learn traveling it's it's like the, the longer you're out there you know that something is gonna go wrong i mean almost every day something small goes wrong or just yeah. doesn't go according to plan uncomfortable situations and sometimes sometimes even worse as just things that don't usually happen at home and so once you get home and everything is easy again you can really appreciate it after living in that way so true so true. One of the things you mentioned last time I asked you some questions was that re regardless of, of the safety or the considered safety of places that, that you may have visited, you've never really had anything terrible happen. Is that still the case? Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's still the case. I've, I guess I've been pretty lucky. Well, last time, last time you mentioned that you didn't call it luck. And, and I'd personally agree with that after having gone to those places. Because I think that, that not only is it a, a case of, of how you react in those situations, but also a case of the countries and the places sometimes not being as, as unsafe as they're made out to be. Yeah, definitely. That's, that's a huge thing. I think, especially like lately, I've been looking into traveling in Central and South America. And most of the times when I bring up some of these countries, people think they are... The most dangerous place and that right when I get there something really horrible is gonna happen <laughs> and yeah. you should not travel to anywhere not even the touristy destinations in these countries they're just considered dangerous countries and then I see because I do a lot of research and I watch YouTube videos and all of that I I see families and <laughs> You know, children and all these people traveling to places like Colombia and uh, Mexico and places like that. And they're just walking around with their cameras completely safe. They're saying everyone they're meeting is nice and it's totally safe and you should travel here too. And then people like my parents and friends, they'll <laughs> say that it's dangerous and I don't know what I'm talking about. Yeah. But I've noticed that with everywhere I've been, um, even in Southeast Asia, I mean, that's considered more of a safe place to travel, but a lot of people who haven't been there, they think that it's still dangerous or that something will probably happen. And I don't know, the more research I do I and the more places I go, I realize that these places are not dangerous. Things happen sometimes, and that's what people hear about, and that's not true for vast majority of the world actually yeah yeah i find sometimes it's also putting things into perspective because in england for example or in spain where where i lived for a while or in the states we're talking about other countries and their safety without always contemplating the safety of the country we live in in perspective oh yeah and it's really interesting, the UK and I think pretty much every country has a government website where you can check to see the level of threat of 
of going to, to visit another country. And you look at some of the countries in Southeast Asia and it's like, oh, incredibly dangerous. Yeah. But then you go on another country that isn't your home country and you look at England, the States, or Spain, or France. And generally, they're pretty high up there in dangerous countries to visit with high threat of attacks and high threat of pretty much everything. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I've seen that. It's Yeah, I'll read that a lot of places in the United States are more dangerous than many other places in the world. And people that live there, you know, all my friends and family, they would never think that the U.S. was dangerous at all. Like, we live in the safest place ever and everywhere else outside of the U.S. is dangerous. And that's just not true no. at all. Everyone says that taxi drivers are going to rip you off in, in Thailand, in Vietnam, in Malaysia. Um, and my experience was, was the complete opposite. Um, we had taxi drivers give us money back because we'd overpaid in Vietnam. Um, we never had an issue of any of the tax, taxi drivers in Thailand. Everyone was, was super polite. And I'm not sure if that's because of how we were approaching the situation or just because it's a downright myth. Yeah, yeah. Sometimes I'm not sure either. I think things do change if if you've traveled a good amount or like it probably changes based on you, how you're acting around them. And I think as someone who continuously travels, you might know a little bit better how to interact with the locals and I think they can see that so if you're completely a tourist and you never leave your home and you're acting like a tourist they might they might try to rip you off a little more uh, yeah I'm not sure I wonder if if it's that or a combination because I've also come across kind of the same thing that you're saying either either a myth or they just they look at you they hear you and they know that you're a little more well-traveled, and so they don't see you as so much of a target. Yeah, agreed. I agreed. I I also like to think, and I, I might be completely wrong here, but I like to think that, that people sh uh, can tell that you're trying to be kind and treat them with respect, because yeah. I saw a lot of, of tourists who didn't treat people with respect and were very much treating it as if they were on a holiday and could afford to do whatever they wanted. So I think it, hopefully it's refreshing for locals to be treated with, with respect and said hello to in their own language and things like that. Yes, exactly. That was, that's the other part of it that I wanted to mention, um, exactly what you said. And like, like I would always hear in, in France or in Paris that Parisians, <laughs> that Parisians are rude um, to travelers or they're just rude people. Um, and I think a lot of Americans or a lot of people just, they travel to Paris. So I've heard this many times from tourists, but then I went there and everyone I met was really nice. But then I remembered that I did try to learn a little bit of French. I, I tried to say hello in French and tried to be nice and smile and all of that. And then you go around the corner and you see a group of tourists being really loud and they yeah. really don't seem to care about what they're doing. They're not looking at anything around them. They're just, I don't know. I th Yeah, I think that's probably a big part of it too. It, it's funny because some of the the worst situations I saw were, were from, unfortunately, British people whilst traveling. And, and the worst that comes to mind was uh, a couple who were incredibly drunk in Vietnam and, and smashed a shrine uh, of the locals and then decided that it was the best idea to run away, um, which is incredibly upsetting when you consider the whole situation and what goes into it. And, and just a little tiny yeah. bit of research about their culture like hopefully would have made them show respect. Yeah, yeah, I've seen similar things and yeah, I'm not sure again if if it's something that we're noticing more because we we notice people that are from where we're from. Yeah. But I notice the loud Americans, stereotypical loud tourist Americans, uh I guess the same for British, Canadians, Australians, but they do seem to be <laughs> a lot of times the loudest and maybe the most disrespectful in 
some situations and that is sad to see because it gives you a bad name as a tourist and I wouldn't want tourists there either if people were acting like that. Well, that's that's the reason I mention it. It's not to, to turn it into to a, a negative sort of smashing at, at tourism because obviously that would yeah. be ridiculous coming from tourists. <laughs> yeah. and, and I met a lot of respectful tourists whilst traveling who became my friends. Definitely. It's more a, a call to anyone listening to, to remember to be respectful whilst traveling because it makes it easier for, for everyone else. Yeah. So... One thing I did want to ask you in relation to everything we've just talked about, where was the place where you felt safest whilst traveling? Yeah, I don't, I don't know. I mean, I guess it's, it's always easy to travel in English-speaking countries because you know what people are saying and everything. And when I'm thinking about it that way, English-speaking countries say been to England, Ireland, and... For the most part, I feel very safe, and I know what people are saying because they're speaking English. So, yeah, no, that's really, really interesting because obviously a lot of a lot of this, and it's kind of where I was leading up to, is based on on very much the experiences we've had in those places. Like, if someone goes to anywhere in the world and and gets pickpocketed, they're not going to have felt safe in that place, regardless of how rare it is to get pickpocketed there. Yeah. For me, for example, a city like London puts me on, on edge way more, say, than, than a city like Hanoi, which sounds ridiculous, but walking around after 12 o'clock in Hanoi, I felt way safer than I did in, in most streets in London. Yeah, and that there might be a good reason for that. I mean, it might be more dangerous in London at night. That could, that could be true. I'm not sure. I mean, so... I... I'd argue it is true, but that's a whole long conversation that yeah. would uh, that would need statistics behind it and stuff. But I, I would definitely say that that there's a difference in in the culture in the places. Yeah, I guess yeah. The, the question is kind of hard to answer because also yeah, I've been to Hanoi and I did feel very safe there. So it's really hard to choose. I was just. It's it's nice to know what people are saying because sometimes if they're speaking a different language than you, you don't know if they're like something in the back of your mind might think that they're saying something yeah. negative or yeah. somebody's walking behind you and yelling at you and in a different language and you think that maybe they're coming after you or yeah. they're trying to take advantage of you or rob you when really they might be saying something really nice and you just don't know. And so it, it's not really un, unsafe, but maybe uh, a confusing feeling. You don't, you don't really know what to think. So I guess that's what I was going off of. But I felt safe in almost every country I've ever been to. <laughs> I think that's the takeaway, personally, for me, is that, as I said, it's all down to perspective. And that means that there's no mm -hmm. reason not to visit somewhere, somewhere new. And obviously, I'm not saying not to check what's going on in countries and be sensible and, and look at the news and stuff. So I wanted to touch on van life for a little bit because it's something that, that really appeals to me. Is it something you would recommend trying out to other people? Definitely. It was some of the best times of my life were in that van. I still, I want to do it again. I just have so many places I want to go in the world and so many things to do. So it's hard to choose what to do but that's definitely something that I'm going to do again it's just uh, it's a different way of traveling I mean I've backpacked many times and also traveled out of suitcase and having your home with you having your bed with you constantly <laughs> and having well it depends how you do it but you know I had a fridge I had solar so I could charge my phone up at night and charge my computer I just I had a room with me wherever I went and so there are a lot of benefits to that you could take a nap in the middle of the day if you want yeah to. it uh, sounds like luxury after backpacking <laughs> yeah yeah it's very easy in a lot of ways like that um, you don't have to pay for accommodation at night you're you already have it all the time so yeah. 
uh, for a budget, it's really great once you have it. Once you've paid for the van, you're spending a lot less because you don't have to pay for transportation besides gas and accommodation. So that's really great. As you mentioned, budget-wise, it works out well day-to-day, but in terms of actually paying out for, for that van, like up front, does that, mm. does that work out cheaper than, say, going traveling around Southeast Asia for a year? Uh, I guess that depends on many things. Uh, depends how much you're going to spend on the van and how long you want to do it for. I mean, so let's just say my van, eh, my van costed... 5000 bucks for my van, dollars USD for my van and then another two maybe to convert it so there's $7000 and I traveled in it for around a year yeah and if you're going to travel in Southeast Asia like you know kind of how much that costs but yeah for me it was around $500 a month so I don't know. It, it works out either way. It depends what kind of traveler you are. And I guess the extra cost is lux- is like what you said. You are you've got a lot more comfort there than you do when you're backpacking as well. Yeah, and I guess it depends where you want to travel. So, like, if you want to see the United States, I think it's the best, or maybe even the only way to do it because things are expensive in the United States, and it's really big, big country. <laughs> So it's hard to get to everything. Everything's really spread out. And so to pay for uh, a, for buses or flights or something to get everywhere and then hotels, even the really crappy hotels in the middle of nowhere, they're still usually $100 a day, a night or something like that. So for the U.S., it is definitely the way to go and you would make your money back. Uh, by doing it in a van. I think that's great advice. That's exactly what I wanted to hear. Aren't those hotel prices a slap in the face after you get back from Southeast Asia, eh? (laughs) Yeah, everything is. (laughs) (laughs) Once I got back home, I didn't want to pay for anything. Every time I wanted to get food, it was was too much. (laughs) Uh, Before going out, we'd been living in Barcelona and we'd put everything in the storage locker. So on the way back, we we had a we've been pet sitting for the past six months or so, and we've got another six months booked in. So we're traveling around the UK looking after pets and staying in accommodation for free, which uh, I highly recommend, and I will send you links to. After is that trusted house sitters or is yeah through trusted house sitters? Oh, cool. Yeah, yeah, it's it's been an absolutely amazing experience, and we're hopefully going abroad with it next year. Uh, fingers crossed if everything goes all right. But um, we'd booked two weeks in Barcelona. Um, just as a as a mini holiday back in Europe when we got back, mm-hmm. we really shouldn't have because those <laughs> two weeks in Barcelona cost like two months out in Asia and it was yeah. so depressing. Yeah, sometimes just sometimes. like two or three days somewhere can cost the same as a month in Asia. Yeah. And yeah, it's it's hard to do. <laughs> Once you've been there, it's hard to do almost anything. Yeah. So in terms of what you're you're hoping to do next. Any, any plans that you can share with us or anything, even if it's a, a rough sort of idea? Yeah, I'll give you my first uh, few months. So pretty soon, uh, maybe in three weeks, I think. I haven't gotten the flight yet, but I'm working with this company called World Packers. And it's basically a platform for volunteers volunteering around the world for a place to stay that kind of deal and they reached out to me and they're paying me um, a good amount (laughs) a decent amount but also paying for my round trip flight to go to Central America and they just want me to make a couple videos about my experience and promote the idea of volunteering and so I think I've decided uh, that I'm going to Costa Rica. There was a good opportunity oh, there. Amazing. Yeah, so I'll probably go to Costa Rica for a week to volunteer, and then another week I'll just travel around. And then after that, my plan is to go to India, Bangladesh, Sri Lanka, uh, possibly Nepal, and just that whole area, probably for nice. a few months. 
that sounds wonderful. <laughs> yeah, uh, pretty excited. How do you how do you deal with with choosing where to go next, and how do you deal with not wanting to just go back to the same places that you loved the first time? Oh, uh, it's it's really tough. Actually, just last night I made a list of everywhere I want to go. I was kind of trying to plan out my next year. And yeah. I just have a huge list. I think there's 60 countries on there. And this is the list that I'm actually trying to do in the next <laughs> year or two. And Amazing. It, yeah, it's hard because there's kind of a mixture in there. Like I haven't been to India and all of that. And I've really wanted to do that. So that's the first thing that I'm going to do. But after that, I probably will go back to Southeast Asia to a couple of my favorite countries over there, uh, nice. which would be Philippines and Vietnam, most likely. So, yeah, kind of a mixture. After that, I'll do something new again. But I'm, I'm not just doing it to cross countries off the list and you know try to visit everywhere and say that I've been everywhere in the world. So I, I'm totally fine going to places that I've already been that I really want to see again or that I miss some of the best things there. So. Yeah, it, and I think it, that's really important. It, it, in terms of keeping travel something that you love, in terms of not getting bored, not forcing yourself to do something that you actually don't want to do, um, I found that sort of seven months into traveling Southeast Asia, we were starting to get a bit tired of moving around constantly, yeah. and we decided that as opposed to going somewhere new, we'd go back to Hanoi that we'd really liked, and we spent pretty much a month hanging out in Hanoi, going to our favorite bars, making loads of friends, and that actually gave us the energy to stay out another two months instead of coming back when we'd felt tired. Yeah, yeah, that's a great way to do it. I think a lot of people, like I just said, they just like to... Uh, add a lot of countries to the list so they can say that they've been to many countries. But I think it's much better to stay somewhere for at least a week or two and really get to know it instead of just being there for a day or two to kind of cross off the tourist destinations or the really good Instagram photos. And because the things usually that you remember forever the, they're the places that you spent more time, at least for me. So true. And it's funny because some of the places that I remember the best, it's for the people that I had interactions with and not sometimes for the views that I thought I was going for, which is a very bizarre thing when I think back on, on my journeys. There's some, some temples I was so excited about seeing and, and just some, some views that I, I'd built up in my head that I always wanted to go and see and don't get me wrong they're incredible and it was so worth the trip in in that sense as well but my memories often are of the little interactions I had with people yeah travel surprises you that way I feel like that happens a lot and that's probably why people shouldn't really plan out their trips so much because yeah you know, you, you see a few things when you research and you know a few places you want to see but those aren't necessarily the best things. Once you get there, you discover you know, hidden gems or, or people even that you meet. And once you look back on it a year or two or three later, sometimes you don't even really remember those sites except for a picture or two that you have. But you remember the people or yeah. a small restaurant that you went to or the meal was really great it's in the middle of nowhere. And... Yeah, I think people should plan a little bit less and just let travel take you where it's going to take you. I'd pretty much planned uh, moving around every three days. Mm -hmm. I was like, we're going to get to this place, we're going to stay there for three days, and we're going to go to the next place. And I had this whole route in my head based on when the cheapest flights were from place to place, what the cheapest coach journeys were. And I think we were in Thailand for two days before the whole plan went to shit <laughs> and we did something completely different. Yeah, yeah, that, that usually happens. And sometimes if you book everything in advance and you've put a lot of money up front, then you can't change those plans. And you might meet someone you really like a lot and they're going to go somewhere new and somewhere that you hadn't heard of. They tell you about it. You really want to go there, but you've already booked a hotel at the next place exactly. for $50 and 
you can't change it. So I always tell people maybe book the first day or two or book the things yeah. that you really need to in advance. But besides the first day or two, as far as like accommodation, I, I like to leave it open after that. That's exactly what we did. And I think it may have been based on, on some advice you'd given on one of your videos, most likely. Mm -hmm. But we'd booked in three days in Bangkok. And we'd booked in somewhere that was nicer and, and higher budget than we were generally going to be staying in the rest of the time. Just as a way of recovering from jet lag and getting to grips with being somewhere else. Yeah. And we didn't have anything else booked in. We were like, we'll book it in when we get there. And it was definitely the best decision we made because we, we were able to, like when we were in Penang, we met, we met people who owned a bar there who invited us out the weekend after. So we extended the trip and you've got that flexibility. Yeah, that's, I think that's really the best way to do it. I mean, usually if you're traveling in a plane or traveling for several hours, you probably do want to have that first thing booked just so that it's easy to yeah. get in there, set your stuff down and make a plan. But other than that, you should be available to do what you want and change everything. Yeah. One of one of the things I did find tough and that I, I from now on tell people to check is sometimes you'll catch a flight and it will arrive late at night and it's in the middle of nowhere. Mm -hmm. And it's very easy to forget that it's in the middle of nowhere and not make any plans. <laughs> banking or it being like say Singapore or Bangkok or somewhere like that and that really did screw us over a couple of times so yeah uh, so it is things like that that you learn after the first few mistakes yeah definitely yeah there, there is a lot to learn usually that's why people who go on trips for just you know two or three weeks uh, it usually takes a week to really get into travel you start making your mistakes early and then maybe by a few days in or three, four, five days in, you've made enough to mistakes to where you can finally travel and kind of know what you're doing. So that go, goes the, the same thing goes for a place, I think, which is why I think people should try to spend more than one or two days in a place because you just you need time to learn about that place to be there before you can really... Take it how in. often do you find yourself staying in a place? Like, how long do you spend there generally before you get the itch to go somewhere new? Well, I, if I can, I like to stay somewhere at least three days. But some places, you yeah. know, they don't have that much there. They only have a couple things to see, and so maybe I will pass through there. But after I've done a couple of those quick sightseeing places, I will like to get to a destination where I can spend three, four, or five days and yeah. start living there a little bit. Um, yeah. And if I really like a place after a few days, I love to stay somewhere for two weeks or so. Is there anywhere memorable you've stayed for an extended period of time? Yeah, actually, uh, the one of the first places I ever went to as a solar, solo traveler was Naples, Italy. And I didn't know that I would like it so much. And... A lot of people probably haven't been there and probably uh, don't think much about it because uh, what I heard before I went there was it's dirty, you know, the mafia, it's dangerous, all of that stuff. But you get there and it's a really interesting place and it's different than anywhere else in Italy. And I also had uh, my first couchsurfing experience there and still to this day it remains the best coucher couch surfing experience I ever had. The woman I stayed with, she was the nicest, most giving, caring woman ever. And it was just amazing. So I ended up staying there for uh, over three weeks. And I thought I would only be there for three days. Yeah, because of that, because of that experience, Naples is one of my favorite cities in the world. So like we were saying, before it's when you stay somewhere for a little longer usually those yeah. are the places that you really remember absolutely absolutely you build connections and it's what we, we said before as well that it's all in perspective all right so just to, to start wrapping things up i just want to get some some quick fire questions for you top travel tip 
for any of our listeners. Uh, typically, my top tip, uh, especially because I'm a budget traveler, is to try couch surfing, mostly because it saved my life, saved my first trip, uh, saved me so much money, and you get to meet locals and make really good friends. I love it. That's amazing. That's amazing. Right, number one place to head to if you if you haven't traveled much before. If you haven't traveled much, I'd say Thailand is a good start. Number one food to avoid in Thailand. <laughs> <laughs> number one food to avoid? Uh, <laughs> well, there isn't a specific food. Uh, how do I say this? Um, <laughs> I would say do, don't avoid the street food because you have to try it, but also do avoid it because you'll probably get a little sick. Pro- not really sick, but you'll get something most <laughs> <Yeah>. likely. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I, I avoided the scorpions. I, I didn't go for the scorpions. I uh, stayed away yeah, from that. Yeah, I did too. <laughs> Wasn't feeling comfortable. Awesome. Well, Alex, I've really, really enjoyed chatting. Yeah, me too. Uh, would you like to do a bit of a plug for your channel? I will obviously link to everything underneath. Uh, sure. I mean, my channel is called Alexander Travel Bum, and I make YouTube videos for the most part, but you could also find me on social media at the same name. Uh, I make my travel videos are usually kind of a ongoing story of my travels, kind of like vlogs, but also tips and informative videos on how to travel on a budget and things like that. Amazing. And I can obviously vouch for them because I wouldn't have got out there if it wasn't for your help and I would have definitely made a lot more mistakes. So <laughs> uh, awesome. thank you for all the hard work you've done on those videos. That's awesome. Thanks. I'm really, I'm always glad to hear that when I help someone a little bit to travel better, cheaper, longer. Cheers. Right, well, we will catch up soon. Yeah, Alex, thank you. All right, thanks for having me, man. Something is going to go wrong. I mean, almost every day something small goes wrong. It just doesn't go according to plan. Something is going to go wrong. Thank you so much for checking out that episode. I hope you enjoyed it, and I would love to hear your feedback. What should I be doing more of? What should I be doing less of? What do you want to hear more of? What do you want to hear less of? What kind of guests should I have in the show? It's all go. Send me a tweet. Send me an Instagram message. Send me an email. I will try and listen to your feedback and put it into action. I absolutely loved having Alexander Travelbum on the show. As I've already mentioned, he's been a huge inspiration to my life. And I hope that you find the same for you too. Please check out his links below. Check out his YouTube channel and be inspired to travel the world. If you did enjoy this episode, there's loads more to check out. There's loads more that you can check out, and I hope you enjoy those too. Catch you soon. Something is gonna go wrong. I mean, almost every day something small goes wrong. It just doesn't go according to plan. Something is gonna go wrong.